Welcome back to Let's Talk About It, a podcast sponsored by The Fuse ICT and produced in the Elliott School of Communication right here at Wichita State University. I'm Jessica Newman. And I'm Bobby Berry. So thanks again for joining us today. So today's conversation is going to be all about community engagement, a topic where we hear a lot about, but many do not know what community engagement truly means and what that looks like. So we're here and we're joined by two guests today. Today, we're going to have the pleasure of speaking with Kyle Ellison, Executive Director of Real Men, Real Heroes. So welcome to our podcast, Kyle. What's up? What's up? Also joining us today is Tajne Stalker, a senior majoring in general studies with an emphasis in ethnic studies, women's studies, and political science with a minor in communication. So a lot of things there. She is the creator of the ICT Community Fridge Project. So welcome, Tajne. Thank you for being here. Thank you. All right, so the Fuse has teamed up with Real Men, Real Heroes, and you know Kyle and I have a long-standing relationship. We're, we're friends outside of this, but also we do a lot of work together um, professionally as well. So we know about Real Men, Real Heroes, but can you tell our listeners a little bit about the organization, such as how did the organization actually start? Absolutely. Um, first off, thanks for having me on here. Uh, it's only my third podcast ever, so. Oh, show off. Wow. No, no, not show off. I'm actually disappointed in others. They should have been invited me. But <laughs> um, no, Real Memory Heroes started 12 years ago um, by a philanthropist here in Wichita, Kansas, who um, ultimately wanted to give young minority males a role model that wasn't on television, that didn't dribble a, a ball or catch a ball or um, hit a ball. And they wanted to show real life heroes that lived in the community that they could aspire to be like, look up to um, and, and gain guidance from. Uh, again, that started 12 years ago, and since then, you know, it's grown from definitely a mentoring organization to an empowering organization. Um, we like to give opportunities to young people to do things now. Uh, I think a big thing for me when I was young um, that really changed my life, it always felt like when, you, when you're young, you have a lot of cool ideas, and then, but people tell you you have to wait to be able to implement them, and I just don't believe right. in that. So Real Men, Real Heroes, a big thing for us is letting young people implement ideas they have now right now um, and let's just see how it pans out. So I know that you've had a diverse experience as far as professional experiences, some of the things that you've done before. So what drew you specifically to this organization as a career move? Yeah, it's an interesting story. Um, So my wife, Ricky, was on the board before um, I joined Real Men Real Heroes. And to be honest with you, I I wasn't looking for the position, uh, but our current vice chair, Ebony Clemens Ejibalade of Evergy um, had recommended to me that I should go for it. And to be honest with you, at first it was a, a, a immediate no for me um, because I didn't believe that I necessarily represented what the organization was looking for. Um, but she was very adamant that she felt for the young people that we work with and um, where the organization was trying to go that I was a perfect fit uh, for it. And so um, I've always loved working with young people. Um, I've always loved working with the community um, when I was younger when I was 16 I was a president of a of a organization called Hope Street um, and we did a lot of things in the community so I mean I've always been drawn to it um, and just the opportunity and the timing was perfect and I guess it was they were looking for what I had to bring to the table um, so it was the perfect mesh for me of business um, but business in the capacity that also works with young people. Right. And what I, one thing that I've, I've appreciated at least being able to see is, you know, at least in working with Real Men, Real Heroes is the fact that it's intentional about how it engages with young men within our community. And I really feel like it has really, for me and from the lens in which I hold, it's almost really rewritten and trying to change the narrative of how men of color are perceived 
both within our community and greater society. Um, so that's yeah. one thing that I think, and I honestly attribute that to some of the work that Real Men Real Hills has done. So I definitely want to give you a shout out for that. Thanks. I appreciate that. And it is intentional. So thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you recognize that. And Tajane, um, I'd like to move over to you here for a second. Um, we like to often bring on seniors onto our show because you have a lot of experience. So there's kind of a lot of um, experience that you can draw from. And something that Bobby and I found particularly fascinating about your story is um, all the different lenses, I guess, that you've seen this campus from, from your involvement to um, your variety of majors, you know, kind of that you're all condensing into uh, into one degree. So through this kind of foundational liberal arts education that you've had and a lot of the organizations you've been a part of, um, could you just explain to us maybe what the concept of community means to you? Yeah, so I've had a lot of opportunities to really find my community, really find my village. Um, and I don't believe a community is really a cookie cutter definition. It's really what you find fellowship in. Sure. Um, so for the first part, like my community was the black community. We shared the same hardships. We had the same values. We kind of grew up the same way too. And so that has always been something that's rooted in me. That's my community. But being in Wichita, my Wichita community, um, it's a place of where you exist, where you are, but it's also the people who share those same values, those same hardships and you fellowship with. And so. I am grateful for the experience to have these different villages, these different communities um, through Wichita State and through my community as well. That's really interesting to me. So this whole notion of where you find fellowship in, and I think that's really interesting because in your own personal perspective, do you feel like that sense of, of connection changes or evolves as you evolve as a person? So does your community look different than once what it once did and why is that? So just kind of give me your perspective mm -hmm. on that just because you listed a few different things that you've connected with. I think it's influenced by a lot of factors. Um, I think I'm a lot closer to my black community since the beginning of these protests that happened like almost five, four or five months ago. Um, I think I'm closer to my black women community just because of Breonna Taylor, Breonna Taylor and the erasure of black women. So um, I think the influences for my community as they change, I'm going to change. And I think that's also a reflective of that, too. As I change, my community will change as well, too. So I think they both kind of influence each hmm. other. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Kind of ever evolving sort of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, well, one thing that you are uh, very actively involved with and have kind of helped pioneer is the ICT Community Fridge Project. So first, could you just tell us what that is? Yeah, um, I'm really excited about this project. Um, it started in August and it's already as big as I ever imagined it was going to be. Wow. Um, so basically the idea is to kind of gather our nonprofits, our local businesses, um, kind of combine them with our local artists and provide fresh food produce for our community. So it kind of fills a need. Um, it was created because I grew up in food insecurity, in food insecure neighborhoods. Um, I lived in District 1 up until about recently. Um, and then I have family and friends who also experience a shortage of food. Um, I know the whole notion of like, oh, college students eat ramen noodles. That shouldn't be the normal. I don't think that's something that we should brag about. I don't think that's a trophy that we made it four years eating ramen noodles and Gatorade. Right. That's food insecurity. Students who don't have access to the dining hall because it's too far, don't have the funds, they, they are rooted in food insecurity. I don't think people think about that. Also thinking about District 1, how they have a lack of grocery stores and they only rely on dollar stores, dollar generals, liquor stores, um, and convenience stores. That's an issue. 
Um, and I, I know the city acknowledges that. We as people acknowledge that, but I don't, I don't want to say not enough was being done because we have an abundance of nonprofits who work with food, but I always think that things can be done more until we get a grocery store. So this is just supposed to be a temporary project. Um, I put fridges in these nonprofits. They offer milk, free um, eggs, Gatorade for anyone, regardless of your income for anybody. But it's not supposed to be a forever thing. I don't want to make a nonprofit out of this. I don't want to be a CEO of this because my end goal is to get a grocery store in these areas. So far we have two and they're going really, really well. We have one downtown for our houses community. Um, they get a lot of Gatorade. They get a lot of like pre-made sandwiches and a lot of snacks just because they're walking every day. Um, and then we have our second one, Ninth and Grove and Grove is doesn't have the best resources. They have one grocery store and a bunch of dollar stores and dollar generals. And so these, these fill a need. Um, and again, I, my personal motto is everybody eats period. So I'm not asking you to bring your ID. I'm not asking you to bring your tax papers. I'm asking you if you're hungry one day, just go get something. I use the fridge. My partner uses the fridge. College students use the fridge. I have caseworkers sending their clients to get food. It's literally for everybody in the city of Wichita until we are provided the resources that we adequately need. Yeah. I like her. <laughs> she, she said folks got to eat. <laughs> just got to eat. You have the Kyle stamp of approval. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I want. Just folks got to eat. <laughs> You're right. Which is hard to get sometimes. Kyle yeah. stamp of approval. That doesn't come easy. <laughs> it's it doesn't true. come easy. It's true. I love, too, Tajani, I love that, um, you know, a lot of people would see a need like, oh, well, we need grocery stores. And they'd say, well, I mean, I can't make that happen. You know, I'm, you know. That's not something I have control over right now. But the fact that you're like, okay, so this is a means to an end. This isn't the solution, but this is something I can do for right now. Exactly. And that you are keeping that end in sight and, you know, recognizing that this isn't something that you want to keep up forever. This is not the final, you know, thing, right. um, but that you're willing to do what you can do right now. I think that's huge. Mm -hmm. so, very cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and also, would you expand a little bit on your specific role within the um, Community Fridge Project? Yeah. So I just identify as a creator. Okay. Um, I don't really believe in the hierarchy of leadership because if it's rooted in community, then everybody has a role. Yeah. Everybody's going to clean the fridge. Everybody's going to take from the fridge. And if you have the means to donate to the fridge, everybody's going to donate. Um, my role basically is to be a liaison. So if you're a business who needs a fridge, I will find you a fridge. Um, if you have a fridge and you need it filled up, I will provide the funds for you to get to get the fridge full. Whoa. Um, but other than that, like, I'm not a CEO, I'm not a president, I am just a community member helping other community members get what they need and also getting what I need because I take from the fridge a lot. I love that. <laughs> I love it. And I think community would look different if everybody realized the, the piece that they can or the role that they play in that. Oh, yeah. And so when you're a part of something, you should be adding to it. And I think a lot of the times people have a really hard time adding to something mm -hmm. um, or at least taking time to take themselves out of the equation to realize, oh, this is what I can add to it. And so I, I appreciate I appreciate that for Thank sure. You. So, Mr. Ellison, all right. So, back to you. You know, community engagement obviously is a huge piece of the fabric of Real Men, Real Heroes. And so, can you talk a little bit about some of the programs, events, initiatives, or some of the grants that you've accomplished uh, with this organization since yeah. in your time there? Yeah, let's yeah, brag yeah. on you for a minute. Nah, well, you know, it's, it's all. It's a, well, you know. don't get him started. <laughs> no, nah, you know what? It's a team effort. Um, I'm big on. I love. I actually love what you said too about. Um, I, I just speak on for me like I always get caught up um, in the realm of the titles mm -hmm. you know in the community um, we deal with a lot where people will contact 
X, you know, and it'd be like, well, I want to speak to the executive director. Yeah. And it's like, well, but X can handle it. Like, it's this is good. Yeah. You know, this is the, or, and I'm, I'm going to back up exactly what they said type of thing. So I, I just I believe in that. Um, and I think it's I think that's a, a it uh, attributes to servant leadership. And I think that's what it's supposed to be about. Um, so with that being said, it's a team effort. You know, my, my biggest um proud moment i got two now but christmas in the park we started that two years ago um we did it at mcadams park where we i mean completely for free uh we you know the truth be told when i first came up with the concept what it was for me was i was like okay well they do a mayor tree lighting um downtown yeah and then they got the cool bradley fair right, tree right, right. tree lighting um and i said why isn't the one for the hood and that was really my, and that's what I wanted to call it. I wanted to call it Christmas in the Hood. Um, but my team, they were like, Kyle, they were like, Kyle, that's, that's not going to work. We got we to gotta get funding. That <laughs> might read a little differently on a flyer. Yeah. So, um, so, so we went with Christmas in the Park, which was perfect. And so it started as a tree lighting. Um, but then my program manager, she, she honestly took it beyond my, my vision and made it more like a festival where we had these activities where kids could come and play these games. And we had Santa Claus. Claws and we had pictures, you know, pictures with Santa were free as opposed to the mall where they're like $12, um, you know, and, and we had Santa Claus that reflected the community that was coming out too. So, you know, but we had a black Santa Claus, you know, then we, next year we had Mrs. Claus. Um, and then last year, and then in addition that we had the Grinch, which that was me, which was perfect. Um, and Great I, costume. Yeah. And he was, was all insane. green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Green so funny. Um, but, but I love that event. And then we give out, you know, over 100 Christmas gifts um, to kids and stuff. And, uh, um, really, really proud of that event and that our organization was able to bring that um, through. And then the, the new one we actually just launched recently, which is our Teen Hero Summit, um, which is, you know, basically just giving a platform for, for teenagers, seniors in high school to be able to have a voice in our community to talk about topics that are going on, um, you know, in real life, but allow them to do it um, with their platform. You know, the model for the show is for teens by teens. So it's, mm -hmm. it's their show, the questions, the, the concepts, the, you know, we got a DJ on set. Like it's, 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 it's lit. <laughs> that first episode was exceptional. Thank it was you. very, very good. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, um, but we've done so many things with our we do uh, for Black History Month we do a day at the Living Museum where we allow our our, our kids to take over um, uh, an identity from history um, and one thing that we were adamant about is that history you know one thing I find in the black community is that it always seems like our history is Martin Luther King Malcolm X Muhammad Ali and I be like yo history is as good as yesterday and so we allow our kids that, you know, we've had kids do uh, Colin Kaepernick we've had them do um, Russell Simmons you know um, it, whatever whatever inspires them and I just think that's the I think that's the key is us to stop deciding for young people mm -hmm. what what this is what's appropriate Absolutely. or this is what makes sense and let's let them tell us because at the end of the day they're the ones leading us in the future so we got to embrace their ideas you know and their thought process so um, we got a lot we got a lot so speaking to that point how do you feel like this organization has really impacted the young black men in our community yeah I think um, I think we've impacted them well as far as um, giving them the ability to believe in themselves. But I think we have a long, long way to go because no matter what we do with, with themselves, we still have to impact the community around them to help change perception of some things. Um, but we also, it, it's, just, it's just a very um, continuous struggle to go against what has been years and years of social conditioning um, and to get the mentality to change and basically to get our young people to stop being in a fixed mindset and being a growth mindset. Mm. 
Um, and it's very difficult when you when you grow up in an environment and everyone around you lives this life and you look at your window and you see this life. How could there be anything more? Right. You know, but what we try to do is present those opportunities for them to be like, yo, wait a minute, there's more like there's more outside of my neighborhood. Right. Um, so that is just an ongoing struggle. But I think that what we're starting to see is that we are giving um, these young men the ability to believe in themselves and young ladies as well in different capacities. It was funny. I was having a conversation this morning actually with your wife and we were talking about, you know, when someone says, how are you doing? And people are like, oh, I'm surviving. And I was like, let's rewrite that rewrite that narrative because when you say I'm surviving, that almost puts you at a deficit mindset. You say I'm thriving. That's a winner's mindset. And so I think, you know, really once again, to your point of allowing these students or allowing these young men and young women to understand that they ultimately have the the ability to really rewrite whatever narrative that they're used to hearing about themselves, about where they come from, about who they are. Yeah. Um, And so I, I. I appreciate and value organizations being able to help rewrite those narratives that we hear a lot of times from uh, and within the community. So, um, so kudos to you guys for sure. Absolutely, I appreciate that. And and what I want to do actually is shout out Tajanae. No, seriously, um, when you said something about the uh, eating Roman noodles, right? And I think it's about what we glorify. Mm-hmm. You know, I have this huge thing about, and I and I don't know how I want to do it yet, but it's have this thing in my mind about how we always paint murals of people after they're gone. Oh, yeah, we yeah. put people's faces on T-shirts after they're gone. Their flowers while they're here. While they're here. And I'm like, why you got to wait? Like, why do we got to wait? And what do we glorify? We glorify somebody after they've, you know, been, you know, killed in the streets or whatever the situation is. Why can't we glorify somebody who's, like, prospering and yeah. living right now? And they don't got to be a rapper or a... Uh, you know, a, a basketball player or whatever the case may be. So it's what we glorify. So if we stop glorifying Roman noodles, like, yo, I've been through the struggle. Right. <laughs> Why does that make you better? Like, I, I, I didn't want to really have to do that. <laughs> right. You know, it's not cool. You know, so anyway, I just, I, I, I applaud you for that, for those efforts. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. I f- you know, I feel the same way about the just like busy mentality. Like, I think we as a society glorify like burning yourself out right. and, you know, and that kind of a thing. Um, which does sort of bring me to my next question, which was going to be mainly for you, Tajane, of this work that, that you both are doing is hard, intensive work that takes hours and hours of your time. So how do you get all of this done along with being a senior and taking care of yourself, hopefully? You know, how do you work this into your regular life? So I'm going to be honest with you. I think I've been going since like the marches in like April or May, whenever Ahmaud Arbery was killed. I've been going since then. It's been nonstop, and I'm not trying to glorify that. I'm trying to say it's been hard. Like, this is hard work, trying to balancing, like, a pandemic and my senior year and Black Lives Matter and protect black women, and then also trying to feed my community. Like, it's it's been hard, and I've had, I had breakdowns. Um, and I started this project by myself. I was on a trip with some friends and I saw people doing this on Twitter, like in New York and in Florida and these different places. I was like, well, Wichita has a really bad like food desert. Why don't we do that? And so I thought this to myself and I was like, when I come back from this trip, I'm just going to work. And I did it all by myself. And that's not something I want to be commended for. That's not something I want to pat on the back because I should have found my community first because I have a community rooted who's already doing the work, or I have a community who would support me, but instead I was like, I can't really wait for anyone to like check their schedules. It's like, I'm gonna make time for this, so I'm going to do it. Um, And it's really me just prioritizing. And so this was before classes started and I already finished my summer class and I was like, 
okay, I got like two weeks. I can knock out a few things in two weeks. And I did. Um, I found the fridge, I found a venue, and then I raised um, 2,500 plus in two, in two weeks before classes started. Crazy. Um, during classes, that's when it got difficult because it was trying to find an artist and coordinating the painting and getting my senior stuff ready and applying for graduation and all this stuff. And so it's been hard. And I do things that I know I'm capable of doing. So it's a lot, but I know I'm capable of doing it. I put things on my plate that I know I can handle. Some things are non-negotiable. Like I need to right. graduate. Like I was not going <laughs> to move around that. But I put things on my plate because I know I can handle it. Um, I guess my, honestly, if I could give any advice, find your village first because I found my village during all this. And so I was like, I put out an application. I was like, all right, I realize I need help. And so now I was looking at applications while doing my homework, while coordinating the fridge, while marching in the streets here in Wichita. And I was like, this is a mess. And so um, I found balance, never found peace. Um, mm. So that was a lot, but I found balance, but <laughs> I, I never found peace within that, but I was sure. able to make it work. Um, and now I have a team now my school is starting to slow down. Now everybody understands, well, not everybody, but at least maybe six people understand their role um, <laughs> when it comes to the fridge. And so I have some community help, but um, it's been going. Yeah. Did I mention I like her? <laughs> you no, know, I think you might have said that earlier. I don't know. No. Just, it just keeps hitting me. You know, and you, you said that word priorities, and I, and I love that because I think that's, at the end of the day, that's all of us. You, you have to... You can only do so much, and so you decide what's important to you. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of a, well, not kind of, this is a super strange period of history for all of us. And so we're all doing maybe a little more than we typically would or feel like we should be necessarily, mm -hmm. you know, um, because we have to. So, so what is it that has, what is it that's made you have these things be your priority for the past six months or however? What, you know, what is it that makes this stuff so important to you? I think because I'm a member of this community and I'm an active member of this community, I feel like it's my role. Um, and I don't want to apply that to everybody because everybody has a different story. Everybody has other things on their plate. But for me, I can always be doing more for my community. I don't know why, I don't know where this comes from, but I don't like to be stagnant. I don't like to be not doing anything for my community. So if I'm not protesting at Wichita State, if I'm not protesting for Black Lives Matter, I have to be doing something. Um, I don't know why. I really don't know why. Um, but it's something I enjoy doing. I, I want to leave Wichita better than how I found it because this is my home. Um, and if I have to be here for another two, three, six, ten years, I would like I would like to leave it better than how I found it. I would like to be actively doing something in the streets for the people around me. Um, not because I need a pat on my back, but I think I just think things always need to be done. I think people in Wichita deserve better. I think people deserve to eat. I think black people deserve to be protected. I think marginalized people deserve the human rights that we all know we need. I don't know. Can we nominate her for something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, can she run for something? Because uh, I would vote for you. <laughs> no, it's just who you are. I love that. I love doing it. I think I that's love fantastic. Wow. Um, well, Kyle, I don't know if you can follow that up, but I'm curious with Real Men, Real Heroes, You've already kind of made your mark during your time there, but over the next, let's say, two to five-ish years, where do you see it going? Where would you want that organization to go under your leadership? Hmm. That's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think that um, 
you know i'm, I'm very i'm a very in the moment person i know, I know. yeah <laughs> um i think that no matter what what i can say is that um trajectory for me is always pointing upward though um i think that what i look at is the the story that's going to be told and so to me i think it's important that in the next you know let's say two three years five years that it, it's really about how did the organization um empower people young people before and then where in 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 that time frame i would imagine that it's not it's no longer it's no longer a new concept that that's just the norm and that's regular um where this this tv show that that we launched is i mean you know by that point it would be on for three you know four seasons like where that's normal um and then that's from a teenage element but how do we do how do we also empower younger people who third grade and higher you know to have a voice um and not just a voice for social issues either but just like things that they want to accomplish in their lifetime how do we start presenting that opportunity now you know and so for example if, if somebody's um in the fifth grade and we already know they have an interest in photography um how does our organization get them in that lane now do we need to buy the camera do we need to get them the courses the training the the mentor to help guide them down that lane um or do they got to wait till they get to high school or college like i don't i don't think that's necessary um but you know at the end of the day a lot of families don't always have the resources or the the time um to be able to to um to give to that, you know, and so I just think that that for us in that time frame, um, we will become somewhat of the the entity that you come to to start pursuing dreams now um, versus having to wait till later. Um, and then in addition to that, I think that the goal would be to be um, further than Wichita as well and to be in other markets. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's an interesting way to put that, that the, the work you're doing now that is, you know, exceptional and unexpected would just be normal yeah that's a cool i mean i would see that that's kind of maybe where tajane is at too like you know right now it's so new and innovative that you're getting food in these places but it shouldn't be you know people their minds are blown yeah and which is good because that means like more funds to feed people but uh i was actually frustrated to to hear that this is so new you're doing such a great job like you're doing so much for the community and I, I get frustrated because I, I shouldn't be 23 and doing this. Right. I shouldn't have this much on my plate. I shouldn't be solving issues that were created before I was born. It is not my job to solve food insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate the thank yous and I appreciate the funds, but it it shouldn't it shouldn't be like this. They should have a grocery store. They shouldn't have rely on a fridge that's not even open 24 seven. And so like you said, it is just should be normal to be wanting to feed our community members. It shouldn't be a good thing, me passing out food to the homeless. Like you should already be wanting to do that. You should already be acknowledging these people downtown. You should already be treating them like they're humans. Like this isn't a new thing. Yeah, should um, be novel. Yeah, I don't know, it's weird. I think that's one thing we really noticed over especially the summer that we're coming off of um, in many things. These conversations that we're having within society are not new. These problems are not new. They just keep happening and they keep elevating and then they go away and then something happens and it's elevated again. And so I think in that process, sometimes you lose people. They become really detached from things. And I think once again, so people like you all who are elevating these things on a regular and consistent basis. And so I always think of, you know, it shouldn't be you, but it's you for a reason at this time. And so 
I'm thankful that it's you at this time because you have a captive audience of not only students, mm-hmm. you have a captive audience of black women, you have a captive audience of your peers. And so I think sometimes if if it wasn't for you, then maybe this would even be worse at this particular moment. I think of Kyle and when he came into Real Men, Real Heroes and kind of the the, the leadership that, that is going on there right now in the, the amount of life that has been um, given to a lot of these young men in our community, um, it wasn't by accident that it was you. You know what I'm saying? So I think sometimes, don't take that lightly. Don't take lightly why you were the assigned person for this particular task in this moment. Yeah. That's one thing I always try to keep in mind as well. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm hopeful, you know, hopefully as time goes on, I feel like, you know, three of us in this room are, uh, well, four, if you count our producer over there, um, are kind of millennial age. Well, are you millennial? He's an exer. Okay, mm. sorry to show your age there, but okay. So three of us are millennials, which I feel like millennial generation kind of started, you know, some of this social work um but gen z i feel like has stepped up in a huge way Absolutely. you know and as gen someone are, are you how old are you 23 oh yeah you're gen z oh my gosh yeah <laughs> do, you, do you identify more as a millennial no oh what, what do you what do you someone told me think you are <laughs> someone told me i was a zennial so i was like ah you're right in yeah. that yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah i've heard of that like halfway yeah. us, halfway them. I'm honored to be a Zoomer. I love them. I love us, I guess, now. <laughs> See? I think you're right on the cusp if you like That's look tight. at the specifics thing. But anyways, my point being, when our millennials and our you know Gen Zs are older, hopefully whatever generation comes after us won't have to be, the you know, the 23 year olds of 30 years from now, hopefully won't have to be that person because you've done it, you know? So I don't know. That's just one of my thoughts on that. But uh, if, if I could add one thing, I yeah, think, I guess. Well, I think <laughs> <laughs> nah, I think, um, you know, I look at a lot of things for me in the lens of like music, um, just cause that was my, my, my start, my, right. you know, and, uh, um, it's youth culture. I believe in that. And so like, when you talk about what you're doing, um, you know, when you start as an artist at whatever age, typically they're like I'm young, and it's because they want to grow um, a fan base that's going to follow you through the years. What I find in the work that we do is that a lot of times we get people who who do something, and maybe they're they're older, they're typically older, um, and the energy's not the same. Nor mm-hmm. is the ability to connect with people who also are going to have that same level of energy. So. Um, in regard to being 23, it's like right now, like you have the ability to capture people up to 30 and also people down to like seven, 16, 17, 18. And that's a long like lineage of work that can take place as opposed to somebody who would be 45, 55, 60. And they tired. They get tired. They got to go home and take a nap. <laughs> you know, so, so I'm saying like there there is purpose to your point, Bobby, too, about being in, in that moment, being the person um, and being chosen. But I just do think that change is really driven by young people who have the energy to do it. And some people who once they get older, like they've they've been fighting for so many years. Could you imagine you? In 20 years now, you're still trying to put refrigerators in, you'd be mad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you'd be mad. You see? So so I just think that you're perfect. I think you're perfect. And it's just the, the issue that we always deal with in our community is passing on the baton, mm. though. Mm. That's the mm-hmm. biggest issue I find. You shouldn't, if, if in 20 years there's still not a grocery store and you're still doing the refrigerators, we got a problem. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but there should be, even if, if, if there's not a grocery store, there should be someone else leading that charge. And it shouldn't be that same, but we got to be comfortable with handing it off to somebody else and, you know, so on and so yeah. on. 
So you're saying that when you're 45, you're done, basically? That's that's the end? Nah, because that'd be real close you for got me. You 10 years Yeah, nah, I don't want to say that. No, <laughs> no. But I should be doing something. I should be elevated at I, some point. I like that. I get yeah. that. So, so in the work that you've done, Kyle, what is... You mentioned a couple of initiatives that you guys have worked on. So perhaps that this answer is similar to that. But what's one of your proudest or most memorable moments that you've had during your time with Real Men, Real Heroes? Oh, wow. That's a, well... Was that, one of the, one. was that one of the pre-questions that was sent? Whew. I think so. Yeah. Well, maybe I, I, maybe I, I'm not, I don't always read the best. Impulse. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I just go off how I feel. So let me think. Um, one of my proudest moments within Real Men, Real Heroes, um, aside from like our events and stuff, the community where we see people come out. Um, I, for me, I'm, so I'm a, I'm a sentimental person, kind of. Um, Emotional. Is that cancer? Nah. <laughs> I, I can appreciate um, I appreciate when my team does well. I think when we exceed the expectations, um, when the board, when my board comes to me. Uh, and, you know, yeah, we've done plenty of things where they were like, I don't know, you know, and then and then we do it and do it very well. And and, you know, all they can do is applaud and, um, you know, and just show their appreciation. And, and so that's always that's always great. Um, but but I think again though, just to when my team, when the team that I have um, feels like we we're we're doing things um, and changing, I, I think some I think in some ways I could I could think back to a couple situations where I feel like we've changed the game um, in the nonprofit sector or in the youth mentoring or youth development sector where the way we pivoted kind of shifted how other organizations decide to pivot. And those moments matter to me, actually, because I just think you should try to trend, be a trendsetter in a sense. Um, so those, I mean, you know, in all honesty, because um, there's been some awards we've received and stuff like that, and those things are great, but they don't they don't actually, they don't define anything to me. I think it's um, my team and when the kids, the kids come to us with, you know, just their, you know, people, I don't, I don't like buzzwords, things like testimonials and stuff. I just like when they come to us with real, um, responses or reactions to the things we've done or the things that we're doing um, and they appreciate it and love it. Um, that's that's what matters to me. You know, and, and I see the hard work that you guys and you and your team put in over there and I'm not surprised at all by, by the amount of recognition and the amount of success that you guys have had thus far. But with a, a successful organization like Real Men, Real Heroes, it comes from passion. And between you and your leadership team, uh, there's a lot of passion there. But where does your passion come from? And why are you so uh, passionate about empowering these young men within our community? Yeah, Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Because um, honestly, when I see the, when I, the kids that we work with, like I was them mm. without question. Like when I see them and the different struggles they have, I'd be like, oh, that was me. And this one here, oh, yeah, that was me. And this one, oh, I did that too. <laughs> um, I mean, I was, you know, I wasn't, I was never a kid that, um, I didn't really, I always, like, what my, what's my saying? Um, I'm, I've never considered myself a street dude, but I understand the streets. And I think a lot of kids we work with, they're they not in the streets, but they understand them. Um, whether it be family members or friends or whatever. Um, and it's like they're right on that cusp, right on the line of going left or right. right. And, and which route am I going to go? Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you, I didn't always go right. And um, I was just lucky enough to not get in trouble or too much trouble or, <laughs> you know, whatever. So... Um, I just relate to them. And I realized at what point in my life things changed for me was an opportunity came my way that that was right in my wheelhouse. And I'm like, well, shoot, that, that changed everything. It changed my outlook. I started being able to travel, I started being able to do things 
And I said, well, shoot, I wish I would have been exposed to this earlier. Mm -hmm. So my whole mindset is like all these kids, um, especially kids we work with in comparison to maybe kids who do have um, more opportunity or family with more resources financially, things like that. It's just opportunity. So if we can raise enough funds from corporate dollars or community partners to be able to afford these kids opportunities earlier, I think we could change the whole, whole outlook um, that they have internally, but also the trajectory of their life. Um, so my big thing is figuring out their strengths early and then how do we cultivate it going on? How do we keep, you know, if, if a kid's into horseback riding, well, let's go ride horses. All right. <laughs> let's go. Let's go do that right now. You know, my, my sorry, I'm, this is a long answer. I apologize. I like it. It's good. My, um, what changed my life? I was working for Real Memory Heroes, but was I? Was I? No, I wasn't working for Real Memory Heroes yet. I'm, I'm lying. Um, <laughs> I was in my senior year because I didn't graduate from here until I was 30, I think, WSU, I came back and graduated. In my last semester, I challenged myself to learn how to ride a horse. And I was like, I was scared to do it. Hmm. But I took a class, you know, it was, cause, you know, I it had like a, some hours, I could just whatever. Right. And I took a horseback riding class and I was scared to death. And so I'm, I learned to ride, I love riding now. And it was my, my instructors, they'd be like, oh, you should bring your daughter, you should bring your daughter. She was five at the time, I think. And I take her to ride the horse and I'm shook. <laughs> you know, my first time, her, she's, she walks up, she's brushing it, cleaning it jumps right on her like it's nothing and she's five years old and I'm 30 scared and she was five <laughs> not scared and it made me realize the only reason I was scared was because I never had the opportunity to do it yeah but for her like who's scared at five years old you know other than like nightmares and things like right, that right. but she was willing to try and so I said yo we just got to let young people try things as early as possible so they're not scared of them no more right I, friends people my age always say I would and I mean I say this today I'd rather be in the hood than be like in a safari with uh you know yeah. you know Lion, what i'm saying lions yeah. tigers yeah and bears. like nah but send me in the hood you know i don't want to go camping but i go to the hood yeah. you know so we got to change that right and that's that's where my passion comes from so, i have never that's heard a long that story <laughs> no? i love i didn't know you could ride horses oh yeah no. i love it i love it how funny so one thing that 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 stuck out to me is the way you said almost you you see yourself in these young men that you work with and so as, as a, a black man in his 30s living in the Wichita community what areas of improvements do you see um, the need for within our community from that lens yeah 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 it's good it's funny so you were talking earlier about like two what'd you say two years four years six years ten years I'm glad you put ten on her I said yeah she ready to go in two <laughs> yeah. um, nah but see we got that's, that's so that's it that right, what that right there is what we need to change. Mm. Um, and I'm working on. I'm actually on the on the board, on the chamber, uh, the regional chamber of commerce board. I'm I'm the chair of talent, um, which will channels retainment and recruitment here in Wichita community. Um, and one of the things of why the, the when they talked to me about doing it was because of like it's evident they feel that that I know and I've shown that how to handle business, but I also don't look like any of the rest of them. And they want to. How do we? How do we explore that? How do we? How do we bring in more of that type of energy? Mm -hmm. um, and that's also from the mayor. The mayor feels that same type of way. Of how do we? How do we show people that success in Wichita doesn't look this one way? And I think that that's the biggest opportunity um, that we have in this city um, is allowing young people, especially minorities, to know that they can be who they are but still and still find success in Wichita versus feeling like they have to go to somewhere where maybe um, the culture is more accepted, like in Atlanta, Houston, right. Dallas. Absolutely. So on and so on. That's literally why I want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> 
there's, there's work to be done, Tajane. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so with that being said, Tajane, obviously, I, I'm, I'm just impressed with uh, not only you, but your 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 fellow peers on our campus um, and just the work that you guys put in and how involved you guys are on and off this campus. But beyond your academics and your commitment to the ICT Community Fridge Project, uh, what is your level of involvement on this campus or some organizations or groups or associations that you're a part of? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I am a member of Ambassadors for Diversity and Inclusion, which is through the Office of Diversity and Inclusion. And I really that that's where I found success. That's where I found what what I can do. That and Delta Gamma, but we'll get to Delta Gamma. Um, ADI gave me the space to be my authentic self. Danielle gave me the push to be my authentic self. And then I I was I just grew as a leader. I, I found that community, a community of people who recognize Wichita is a little white, um, but there's always spaces for us to challenge and for us to grow. Um, and that's 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 where I learned that. Um, I am, I guess, well, I graduated out of Delta Gamma, but I was a member like last year, but now I'm old. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm an alumna of Delta Gamma. And I really give Delta Gamma fraternity credit for who I am today. And it's when I explain that to people, they, they kind of look at me funny because it is a, it's a predominantly white sorority. And I stayed for four years and I, I give them credit for who I am because if it wasn't for that predominantly white space, I don't think I would have been the advocate I am today. Because for the most part, in my four years of being in Delta Gamma, I was either one of three black girls or I was the only black girl. And if they weren't going to stand up for me, I was gonna do it. And I, I made a career out of that. I made a position out of that. I made a task force out of that. I I. I push them because I refuse to let these white spaces, which is, whether it's Wichita State or Delta Gamma, I just, I refuse to be small in there. And I could have dropped and I wanted to several times, but I, I really give them credit um, for allowing me to grow to be the person I am today. And I made them uncomfortable. And I don't apologize for that. I loved pushing them. I loved doing the educational part. I loved doing the privilege walk. I loved making my white sisters see more than this white sorority. Um, and Delta Gamma is, has usually been a progressive sorority. Um, and so I really pushed the ideas of like indigenous rights, Black Lives Matter into that. And yeah, I got a lot of pushback, but I enjoyed it. Um, and it helped me advocate for other communities on this campus, because if I can go into this predominantly white space and advocate for myself as a black woman, I can. That's, I, that's her hitting the table, y'all. She's getting passionate. <laughs> I can go into these other pockets of these communities and push for these other other marginalized people. Um, so it became really easy after a couple years. So um, if I can make people uncomfortable in Delta Gamma, I can do it at Wichita State. I can do it in the Wichita, Wichita community. And now I am applying for jobs whose sole purpose is to make people uncomfortable. I'm mm -hmm. finding jobs. I know you don't want me to leave, but I'm finding jobs in like <laughs> New York and Texas where it's like educational <sighs> positions where I can teach people everything that I taught here at Wichita State. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. And so these organizations really set me up for success. The hardships I'm thankful for, being uncomfortable, I, I'm so thankful for, and just just getting the push from this university, good and bad, I'm thankful for. Can I have a question? Absolutely. Sure. So I'm just so okay. 
He's hosting this now. <laughs> We've lost all control. Well, no, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, uh, piggybacking off of Bobby's last question to me. Ah. So the city needs what you exactly talking about, but you're going to go take those efforts to a New York or somewhere else when the city that made you. <laughs> oh, it's calling you. The out. city that made you needs you, but you're willing to take the, the, the talents and the efforts and the energy somewhere else but we need you here i'm just trying to understand why um i usually keep this to myself and on my twitter so it's just us it's just us in the room right yeah, right, right. You're <laughs> um i think a lot of young people um and i have a, a lot of other zoomer friends we're frustrated because and we're we're i'm gonna say this right now we're not radical but i think our ideals and our beliefs and the things that we want in this city are too radical for Wichita. I give I give Wichita credit because it it's a progressive city. You know, we vote blue most of the time, I hope. Um I I, I assume um and that's something that's a value to me. Um progressive values, pro- progressive ideals and things like that. Um but for a lot of and I don't want to speak for a lot of young folk, but for me it could be a lot more progressive. It could be a lot, we could do a lot more. We could get the grocery stores. We could we could push um, a lot more. And um, I say that, and I really realized this over the summer. So I was marching for Black Lives Matter um, consistently. And I'm not saying that we needed to turn up like a Portland or turn up like a Minnesota, but I expected a lot more older people a lot more things to happen because of the the protests around the city and a lot less like performative yeah but they was tired they was taking naps they was tired Uh, who's tired the older people Hmm. i'm kidding but but young people were out on the street no y'all were um i was out on the street um a lot and it's just like part of me was like dang like i really wish we turned up like a portland like i'm not wishing that the city was caught on fire or anything but i'm wishing my city showed up for black lives like a chicago mm-hmm. like a portland like a, even minnesota mm-hmm. i didn't even think minnesota could do that <laughs> um and so for me i want to be in these pockets of cities where they're already radical they're already pushing and they're not afraid of that even kansas city kc tenants who locked the the courthouse in with chains and protest evictions during a pandemic like i want to see that stuff in wichita and i see that in our young people and i I speak to a lot of young people and they're ready to leave too and for a while i i wanted to run for office in wichita i I already said i'd vote for you (laughs) i i want to do those things but i think my calling is in a different city i think my i think my growth continues in a different city i i that's that's just what i believe i don't know and my goal is to come back um come back maybe teach something from whatever city i learned from but i don't know i just when you old and tired when i'm old and tired <laughs> i'll come back to wichita but i, I respect it we right. move on. We, i understand i understand i respect that because i think sometimes leaving a situation and coming back to it provides a different perspective it provides another level of growth as well um however you know just just my two cents throwing this out there but also sometimes we have to also understand that when you talk about perspectives and the way in which people respond and react to certain situations and or movements that it's not isolated to that is the only way in which that person and or that group of people feel like they can contribute um and so for for me 
you know, I wasn't an individual that was out there protesting and, and doing a lot of the marches, but the work that I do behind the scenes, I'm advocating for my people on a daily basis where other people may not see that. And so I think sometimes those spaces are just as powerful because when you have certain people that are sitting in board meetings that are changing the narrative of what black means as a professional in higher education, those spaces are hard to come by. Those folks are hard to come by. And so when you have people in those boardrooms that are just doing as much advocating as our young people are doing out in the streets, there's power in that too. And so um, just just once again, perspective from no, from yeah, from right. uh, from many per, uh, vantage points. You're right. Um, um, oh, go ahead. You're good. No. Um, I never want to invalidate the work that my, I don't want to call you elder, uh, but <laughs> other older, oh. other people are doing. <laughs> You're not an elder, but. <laughs> Predecessors? Yes. I don't know these words. I kind of like elder though. You can stick with that. I Oh, gosh. You're not an elder. Bobby's going to walk out of this room. Uh, I mean, I am the second second youngest person in this room, but, you know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. There. It's true. It's true. You're okay. We're all doing the work. Okay. I prefer OG. OG. <laughs> I never want to invalidate the work that black people or BIPOC people are already doing. Um, I think for me and probably other younger people, it comes from the frustration of, like, our existing politicians. Like, the whole thing with the mandates and, like, just wild things that we see in our local politics. I think that's frustrating. Um, and some of us go back and forth, like maybe we should run or maybe we should leave. And so for me, for the longest time, it was like, maybe I should run. Like they're not they're not doing the work that needs to be done. And I just finished a fellowship with Emily's um, List, which is basically um, an organization that helps progressive people, progressive, progressive women run. And so I did that because I had the idea, like I'm gonna run, I'm gonna run in Wichita. Then these protests, and then seeing, I'm be honest, probably I'm probably lazy. I think I want to jump into a city that's already doing the work, and I want to jump into that work instead of well, I do the work here too. I don't know why I want to leave. Yeah. I think, Ooh, yeah, think about it. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. Only thing, only last thing I say in regard to that topic is that what I find, or that just just something to throw out is I just always feel like if we want that the change you're talking about, we never, it, not never, but it'd be really hard to get if the people that want it are always leaving. We need the people to be here, especially as y'all get older and then y'all start being in the positions of power and have that mindset, then we can transition. But if y'all keep leaving, you leaving it to the old people to keep it how it is. That's Maybe all. we should have a very large town hall. Well, that's the whole point of this podcast is True. once again to foster conversation and dialogue about these issues. I mean, I think the, the thing that I was hoping to accomplish is that anytime you come to this table and you have these conversations, you walk out with something to think about. Mm. Um, and that's again, from hearing different perspectives. But uh, with that being said, Tajane, uh, there are a lot of students on this campus and within our community that are just as passionate as you are. Um, and so they may not know how to get involved. They may not know what that looks like. So what advice would you give to students who, or those in the community that wanna be more involved, but they just don't know how? Mm. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a piece of advice, but I'm gonna plug one thing. So I really start, I've always been student organizing. So like the protests or like advocating in the town halls and things like that. That's really one way you can get involved is being a student leader because these doors are open because I got so involved. Like I got to have these conversations with our administrators to talk about why I'm so frustrated, to talk about why I feel unsupported. Because, not because I knew the right people, but I just applied myself to these organizations and I was intentional with my actions. 
Um, I think being a student leader puts you in a position to be intentional because if you're a student leader, you're trying to to leave something better than how you found it, whether it's your sorority or fraternity, Greek life, or whether it's like ADI or another organization. You're trying to do some good for that immediate community or for Wichita State. So that's really your first step is I advise you to get involved um, through organizations at Wichita State. Um, but I also pride myself for being a community organizer because that's something I love to do. I want to go beyond Wichita State because Wichita State is not my whole life. Um, and I got my start. I wasn't really community organizing until I did my fellowship with Young People For. And Young People For is like a social justice incubator. And basically they give you the tools and resources to create a blueprint, a blueprint of whatever you want. And so honestly, I was also inspired to leave because this um, organization flew me out to these um, regional trainings where I met people outside of Wichita and it was frustrating and it was the best experience of my life because I was the only one from Kansas and I had friends in Chicago, Washington DC, New York and their bl blueprints were like people in Chicago want to reduce gun violence in, in Chicago public schools. It's like wow that's that's a that's a big thing to solve. Or people in Washington D.C. want to want to make their um, their city. They're not a city. Or make their they want to be able to vote, be able to do more in politics instead of just being Washington D.C. Like they were doing big things in these big cities, and I I felt inadequate because I was like, ah, small town Wichita girl. Like we don't have much progressive things. We do, but when they look at me that we don't because we're not on the map like them mm. and so i felt inadequate i felt like i need to be in these cities tackling these big projects because nothing big is happening in wichita until i started really thinking about my blueprint um and my blueprint was food insecurities and food deserts and so that's how this whole thing began um and a lot of them were really confused because they didn't think a city and Wichita is big, but they really thought that I lived on a farm. Um, <laughs> but they do. didn't <laughs> they didn't think that these kind of problems exist in this city. And so um, I got my community organizing start because of the resources and tools from young people for um, I got the love and the support from all my friends and all well, I call them family, but my family from young people for I got grants from YP for like organizing to start this blueprint. Um, and basically that's what really started me. It, it just gave me a blueprint because I knew I wanted to do something for Wichita, but I didn't have an idea until they made me sit down and like write this whole like six plate, six page plus blueprint out for food insecurity. Um, and that's how really that got started. And so I plug young people for, for giving me the tools and resources. But um, my advice overall is Wichita State will open some doors for you community organizing wise. Like you could find a protest any day, <laughs> as long as you just know some people on campus. And, and how, um, if somebody wants to specifically donate to the uh, community fridge, how would they get more information about doing that? Yeah, you can follow us on our Instagram where ICT Community Fridge. We have a Facebook, which is ICT Community Fridge Project. Um, I post a lot on my personal Twitter, which is at Tajanais. If you don't know how to spell my name, we'll figure it out later. We'll put it in the show um, notes okay. page. <laughs> um, and then if you want to donate, we have a cash app. So it's dollar sign ICT Free Food. Um, but basically that's how we're just collecting all our funds. 
Excellent. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We will definitely, the Fuse actually will be partnering with you soon uh, to do some work there in that space. Um, so in closing, I just really want to give a big thank you to Tajane and Kyle for joining us on yes, our show today. thank you so much. Uh, thank you for helping our listeners better understand why it's important to serve your community and engage with projects that fulfill the basic human need of coming together in fellowship and common cohesive goals. So once again, thank you guys. Uh, and are there any websites or social media accounts? Obviously, Tajane, you just plugged yours, but Kyle, is there any place that we can find the work that you're doing? Hey, Taj and they close us out. Only I can say <laughs> anything with us, man, you can find us on all the social media at uh, R-M-R-H-I-N-C. Once again, thank you for that information. Perfect. Yep, thank you. Um, and also thank you to everyone who's listening. We really appreciate your support. As always, we'd love to hear from you. So um, shoot us some feedback on this episode or leave us a comment. Um, just let us know what's on your mind. So on behalf of the entire podcast team, I just want to say thank you for your support and join us next time on Let's Talk About It. Bye. Bye.